Hello there, and thanks for listening in to our Die of Matthew study. Die of Matthew is the dive study that began it all. Throughout February of 2019, lives were changed and the scriptures came alive to a group of about 50 people as they dove into the book of Matthew, all 28 chapters in 28 days. It moved at a fast clip, but even with that rigorous pace, it became clear that it was worth pursuing an ongoing ministry based on these studies. This is how Dive Collective began. Our new dive studies will be formatted differently, but the process of inductive study remains the same. So as you listen through the book of Matthew, know that we are waiting to welcome you into our current live dive studies where we engage with our Bible study members and dive in at a manageable pace for study. You can find everything you need to know at divecollective.org under our studies tab. Enjoy your time in Dive Matthew, and we hope you'll join us in real time soon. So welcome to Dive Matthew, where we're going to be doing 28 chapters of Matthew in 28 days. For the first study, you're going to want to download our dive guide at www.divecollective.org in our shop under free downloads. Dive studies are our version of inductive Bible study. This particular study of Matthew was the first one we did back in 2019. I hosted that dive guide in a different format on a different website at the time, but now if you want to join in and see how to do a dive study before committing to join us live, you'll want to go ahead and go to divecollective.org to download and get started. So we're going to go ahead and read through the 18th chapter of Matthew. If you'd like to skip ahead because you've already read the chapter, you can go ahead and do that now. You'll want to join back in at approximately 5 minutes and 25 seconds. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, So who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child and had him stand among them. Truly, I tell you, he said, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever welcomes one child like this in my name welcomes me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to fall away, it would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses will inevitably come, but woe to that person by whom the offense comes. If your hand or your foot causes you to fall away, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or lame than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to fall away, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hellfire. See to it that you don't despise one of these little ones, because I tell you that in heaven their angels continually view the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If someone has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, won't he leave the ninety-nine on the hillside and go and search for the stray? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he rejoices over that sheep more than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. In the same way, it is not the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones perish. If your brother sins against you, go and rebuke him in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he won't listen, take one or two others with you, so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. If he doesn't pay attention to them, tell the church. If he doesn't pay attention even to the church, let him be like a Gentile and a tax collector to you. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. Then Peter approached and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? 
I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but seventy times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed ten thousand talents was brought before him. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, started choking him, and said, Pay what you owe. At this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then, after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also my heavenly Father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. These chapters are back where I was, I had just been doing this for myself, and so I was taking them in smaller portions. So I broke this one in, into, um, the first portion is 1 through 9, the next portion is 10 through 20, and the last portion is the rest of it. So for the first part, I'm just going to kind of go over a few of this, the main points that I got from it, which is, uh, disciples are asking who is the greatest, and Obviously, it would not have been expected that Jesus was then going to pull a child from the crowd mm-hmm. and use that child as an example. But so interpretation wise, as I picture that observation, as I make that observation and then I draw the picture in my head of what that looks like, I picture Jesus standing with the child in front of him and with his arms kind of wrapped around his shoulders, you know, down draped mm-hmm. around his neck. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm picturing being like, and I imagine myself being that child, right? Like what is... Yeah. What is that like? Yeah. Obviously, that makes me think of Matthew, you know, when Matthew's sitting at the table when the Pharisees are rebuking him. Mm -hmm. You know, the Pharisees are rebuking Jesus for sitting with tax collectors and Matthew's there having just been called, been included in the group. Mm -hmm. And he knows he's talking about him and saying, me, like, I'm, I'm one of the ones. And in this case, again, we have a child, the least in the kingdom of earth is being called the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and um, how seriously Jesus says that he he's basically taking it if anybody is to come before them between them and their God mm-hmm. that's my main takeaway the disciples were at one point the lowly castaways that Jesus called to himself so Jesus was reminding them not to be come big shots don't don't think you don't think you're any better than anyone yeah, else. Yeah, don't get yeah. too full of yourselves there, young men who I called from fishing boats. Like, mm-hmm. don't, it's the least. The least are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And it makes me think of the disciples later when Paul, the greatest of all Pharisees, is called. And the disciples then tell Paul, don't forget the least. Like, remember the poor. Whatever mm-hmm. you do, remember the poor. Like, Jesus had clearly driven his point home enough to the disciples that they remember later in Acts. Mm-hmm. Don't ever forget the poor. And of course, at the same time, as I had been going through this, I had been reading, um, we'd been doing Daniel's, Beth Moore's mm-hmm. Daniel study. And that was the week that Beth Moore was focused on the poor. She basically was 
emphasizing the poor are so important. And so that is my application. That is clearly something that God is wanting to drive home. Moving on to verses 10 through 20, some of the observations that I have are Jesus has a child before him as he's continuing to tell these parables. Jesus tells disciples, don't despise these little ones. He says that the little ones have angels and that their angels continually view the face of God. That's an image that I, um, I sat with for a little bit. If one goes astray, the owner leaves the group to find the one. If he finds it, he rejoices. The if was a, stood out to me as a word, just as a reminder that not, he doesn't always find it. Mm-hmm. Because it's not a guarantee, it makes it that much more of a celebration yeah, when you do find it, yeah. right? It's not God's will that even one of the little ones would perish. And then it talks about brother sinning against brother. And it tells us that we should go first to him in private. Again, this makes me think of the disciples and how often they pull Jesus aside and they do these embarrassing things, kind of have these embarrassing conversations mm-hmm. in private. Like the the desire that Jesus has for us is gent- like he desires to rebuke right. us and to discipline us and to chastise us privately. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to make it public, but sure he will. He will if you make it if you if you bring it to that point, he will. And in this case, this is a great illustration that if you can't do it in private, then try like try to do it try as discreetly yeah. as possible with one or two. Just take one or two people so that testimony of two or three witnesses may be established. So now you're going with people so that people can see what's happening mm-hmm. and hopefully that person can be restored with just that. And then again, last but not least, if he still doesn't listen, the church has to cast him out. And so it becomes this Jesus's desire first and foremost is for our hearts to be restored and he wants to do it in the most gentle way possible. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's so consistent with God's character to be gentle with us whenever possible, but to restore us by any means necessary. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Right. So those are interpretations that I've, those are observations and interpretations. Application wise, I really just took a piece of God's character away from this, just the character of God to be and desire to love us so well and to be so gentle with us Mm -hmm. and, and also to be so, um, there's a correlation and theme between those sheep and the sheep that's gone astray. And then also that person that the people are going after, you Mm -hmm. know, in both cases, there's just a persistence to go, to pursue, to pursue, to to pursue, to pursue. I was just going to say that I've never connected those two stories together mm-hmm. but they totally have like you said the same theme mm-hmm. that and I think that's one of the things that I love about when I think about God's character is his pursuit of us mm-hmm. I just I think that's something when you when you look at the story of scripture and how he pursued the Israelites over and over mm-hmm. and over and then he sends Jesus I mean he sends a piece of himself, himself to, to be, die right like I mean and then Yes, that pursuit of us is just one of my favorite, one of my favorite things to think about. It's relentless, and it is the theme. It is the theme that you can trace from the Old mm-hmm. Testament all the way through. Like, you, if you're looking for a theme to go look at, if you're looking for a lens to look at the Old Testament through, the pursuit of His people mm-hmm. is definitely one. To, if you just look mm-hmm. over and over at every story, and you're like, "There He is pursuing us. Yep. There He is pursuing us. Right. There He is pursuing and, us." And that pursuit almost always results in redemption. Right, because well, ultimately it does, but it, sometimes it's frustrating to watch the Old Testament because it so often doesn't. <laughs> well, that's true. I guess I'm just thinking of him when they screw up, 
mm-hmm. like those second chances. Maybe yes. that's what I'm thinking of. There's like pursuing, 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 in spite of how we respond to that mm-hmm. pursuit. He still he still does, and then rest- maybe restoration more than redemption. Yeah. yeah, but we could probably list a bunch of those if you think about if you think about he destroys the earth, mm-hmm. but he pulls out his righteous Noah. Mm-hmm. He destroys Sodom and Gomorrah, but he pulls out righteous Lot. Like mm-hmm. he, in all of these cases, he goes out. He tries to restore and to bring to him anybody who's anybody who's willing to come mm-hmm. and follow after him. Right, because I think like. Like what you just said, willing. When I think of Lot, I don't necessarily think of a righteous man. Right. And yet, God kind of saved him on behalf of Abraham, right? Mm -hmm. Because Abraham was like, when God told Abraham he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, I mean, Abraham was kind of freaking out. Interceded for Lot. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, just the way he works on behalf of his people. And then as we talked about in chapter one. And when they fail. Lot, the total failure that only got saved because of Abraham, Abraham for him. Yeah. Ends up being the father of Ruth, who's the great, 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 whatever of Ruth. Even that sheep metaphor and the pursuit of, of us. And even the theme of privacy, like Jesus actually leaves Leaves the the flock to go search for that other one, because that, that rescue will even be a private moment like that Mm -hmm. restoration. Mm -hmm. Back to the flock will be a private moment before he comes. That's just ah, so cool. Okay, and then the last portion. I didn't get anything more than the obvious application that should, that is everything, mm-hmm. really. I feel like one of the things that I didn't realize until I looked under, uh, it wasn't even a cross-reference, it was uh, just a little footnote that they put. I didn't realize that the servant owed... 10,000 talents, which is the same as 20,000 years of wages. That really put 20, things... Yeah. 20,000 yeah. years of wages. Is it 20 no, years? 20 Did I read years. it yeah. wrong? A talent okay. is worth 6,000 denarii, 20 years wages for a laborer. One talent. Right? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> So when I made that, so he owes 10,000 talents, but at the bottom it says one talent is worth 20 years wages. Wow. I thought a talent was not that much money. It doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) If that's correct, if that, which I, it really does apply and it works that, it works well if that's the actual translation is that. Right, but then the other thing is, like, he asks him, he ends up in the end throwing him into jail until he could pay everything that was owned. If it was 20,000 years of wages, that's impossible. Well, right. I think that's the point, is that, like, he was never, ever going to be able to repay that. Even if everybody had given them all of their everything, it was never going to be able to be repaid, which is the amount of debt that this, which, if I even read that right... 21 talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then the other guy owes him 100 denarii, which is... 100 days wages. A third of a year. One third of... Because remember we talked about a denarii is one day's wage? Mm Mm-hmm. So he owes him 100 days of labor. And this guy owes... Okay, so this can't be... Okay, never mind. Go ahead. 100... Days of labor. 
Okay, gotcha. I'm okay. getting caught up on the math and I need to stop. <laughs> no matter how you look it's at it. It's a lot. It's, yeah. yeah. The I guy mean, it's is a, like, like nothing to is everything. It's an unrepayable right. amount of money right. that this one guy owes. Right. And he's forgiven it. Completely, mm-hmm. completely forgiven it. Forgiven. Exactly. Yes. Not even, not an extension. Yes. Completely forgiven. Yeah. Lifetimes because worth of wages. Because that's the thing. That's what he asks for. He asks for, he doesn't ask to be forgiven of it. He asks him to be patient. Like in the, the first servant, be patient with me and I will pay you everything. And the master says, you know what? Forget it. I just don't even worry about it. Because the master knows, he doesn't know that he could, he probably doesn't even realize it's idiocy to think that he was ever going to repay that much amount of money. And the, and the, and the master's like, you know what? Right. I'm never going to see it anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. I, yes, exactly. And I feel like that's exactly how God saw mm-hmm. us when he decided to come for us was like, you guys are like, you could never, ever restore yourselves to mm-hmm. me. That would never happen. It's not, it's not, you're not even capable of mm-hmm. being in the presence of this kind of holiness. Mm-hmm. So, you know what, let's just, let me take care of it for you. Mm-hmm. And that's what he does. And so we're talking post-gospel then, you know, this is exactly what's happened. This is wh- this is when we're living mm-hmm. after it's been forgiven. And now we have to go, are we willing to forgive this person, mm-hmm. this one rejection? Are we willing to forgive this one person, this one talking about us behind our back? Mm-hmm. Or And these are the things that we hold on to for right. years. Right. Like these small things are things that we hold on to for years that could be and should be restored easily. Right. And yet... And even when you think about the fact that it was unrepayable, like we completely rejected a holy God. When you get, when you think like humanity's part and God's part, and then we're complaining about a person, you know what I mean? Yes. Like it's just, it's, it's like comparing apples and oranges. It's like comparing apples yeah. and oranges. And, and honestly, when you think about it though, it really puts in perspective, like what, what were we thinking when we thought that like going to the temple and bringing a lamb was somehow like that we were it's like this guy is thinking that he actually it's like this guy thinking that he can actually make himself restored to at any point is going to make himself restored to that like that same idea that we're going through these motions that God has set up for us to be atoned for when Mm -hmm. there was never we were never going to get to a place of being okay with God right that's why they had to keep doing it over and over yeah yeah just this thank you God for Jesus Mm. That is the application. God's forgiveness of us covers lifetimes worth of debt. Every good gift he gives us is far, far more than we could ever repay what we owe because of our sin. Let us not refuse to forgive our fellow brothers and sisters to be reminded by God of how much greater our debt was to him that he forgave in full. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dive Matthew. If you enjoyed our version of Inductive Bible Study and want to join our community of people all working on the same book of the Bible together, come check us out at divecollective.org and sign up for one of our current live dive studies. We believe you'll find a welcoming community, one where you'll be challenged, inspired, and uplifted. Come and see.